Hello and welcome to So Divine. I'm Megan Skinner. And I'm Stephanie Galling. And this is our monthly astrological podcast where we explore the celestial highlights for the month, what's happening in the stars. We have a tarot card that fits with the vibe, all with an eye towards insight and inspiration to help you lead a more conscious life. So this is So Divine February. February 2019. Yes, and Happy New Year, Stephanie. Happy New Year, you, Megan. <laughs> and when I talk about the New Year, I'm not just talking about the New Year as is, as of January 1st. I'm also talking about that we have on February the 5th, the Chinese New Year, and it's the year of the pig. Ooh, say more. Say more about the year of the pig. Well, I've actually done a little research on the year of the pig, and this year is supposed to be a very abundant, joyful, celebratory year. And the pig in uh, Chinese astrology, in the Chinese zodiac, it has 12 signs, just like we do in Western astrology, and the pig is the last sign of the Chinese zodiac. So it actually completes a 12-year cycle. And so it might be kind of interesting to just kind of take a look back and see, you know, what's been occurring where you were 12 years ago and where you are today. And this year of the pig is a earth year of the pig. And so it brings in this kind of earthy yin energy, which also is supposed to kind of ground all of this kind of lighter, celebratory, abundant, joyous energy, right, which is supposed to be great for everybody. That's one of the things about the year of the pig is it said that it's good for all the signs or all the Chinese signs of the zodiac. So it's equal opportunity benevolence. <laughs> equal, yes, indeed. Now, the one challenge to this year, if there was a challenge to the year of the pig, is we can get so caught up in all this kind of lightness of being, celebratory energy, and, you know, kind of forget to pay attention to the details. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that they talk about in this is that, you know, while you're in this joyous, expansive energy, don't forget to, uh, you know, pay your taxes and (laughs) don't forget to keep an eye, you know, on those boundaries and keeping everything grounded so you don't overindulge and you don't, you know, get so big that you forget about the day-to-day priorities and realities of life. You know, I feel like then with it being the year of the pig and what you're saying about it, it's like underlined, underscored (laughs) of the paying attention to the details because I'm also thinking about this Neptune influence for the Mm, year that has us in our dreams and our imagination and in in everything's possible, where even in that we may not cast our attention to what's right in front of our steps, you know, and all of the details. So it's again like all of this goodness and generosity, right? Yes, and yes, celebration absolutely. and the possibility, but also to make sure they're also looking at paying attention to the facts, the what is is. 
Yes, absolutely. I think that's a great connection. And, you know, since you're talking about Neptune and that energy with the year of the pig, it also brings to my mind Jupiter and Sag. Mm -hmm. This feels, the year of the pig energy feels very much like Jupiter and Sagittarius. And Jupiter, of course, is going to be in Sagittarius all the way to what, like December? December 2nd. December 2nd. And, you know, Jupiter is at home in Sagittarius. And Sagittarius is very expansive very big picture, very like more, more, more. And so to me, it's interesting how all these energies are kind of working together. And I think, of course, we want to be able to enjoy, oh my goodness, you know, this very, you know, light, expansive, celebratory energy, but also keep our eye on the details. Yeah. And not to get it's interesting. I'm sort of playing with that idea of like not to get ahead of ourselves, but it is Jupiter and Sagittarius after <laughs> all, right? Where we are looking out to the horizon, mm-hmm. right? We are looking out to the future and it mm-hmm. feels really important. So on that level, it's how we become inspired by looking at what is ahead of ourselves. Mm-hmm. But again, to keep our feet on the ground, to mm-hmm. see what is possible, but marry that also with what is probable. Yes, yes, that sounds very Saturn and Capricorn as well. I'm, you know, I, it'll be really interesting to see. You know, we haven't even gotten into these energies quite yet, and so, you know, last year was such a, you know, interesting year, and I feel like in every way, I think we all could use, <laughs> you know, a little bit of lightness, a little bit of movement. You know, we had those two big retrogrades last year with both Venus and especially Mars retrograde, and I'm just thinking that this year. It's going to be more expansive, and there's going to be more movement. That's that's where I'm. That's what I'm placing my bets on. Nice. That's nice. And you're right. Like in terms <laughs> of contrast of last year, when it just felt like we were slow and stuck, and there yeah. was a hard, felt hard to make progress. Yes. Forward movement. Yes. But this year feels much more like the potential yes. for forward mu- movement. And yes. that sense of ebulence and lightness and joy. So, yes. yay for joy. Yay for joy. Yay 2019, Year of the Pig. So let's talk about, you know, some of the astrological highlights for the month. What's what's big this month? What's happening? First of all, I think that one of the things we want to talk about is Chiron uh, is moving into Aries. Yeah, so for me, if I were to pick one major theme... One major event that really sparks the month is Chiron moving into Aries. So Chiron, which is a celestial body, sort of a planet, <laughs> sort of an asteroid, um, its its sort of definition continues to change, but it stays in a sign for about nine years or so. Chiron is thought to represent the archetype of the wounded healer, Mm -hmm. you know, that sense that at the depths of us, we each have this gorgeous healing capacity, Mm. but that that healing capacity often comes through our own wounds, Mm -hmm. our own stories, and that that ability to actually offer up our gifts to others through our own oftentimes hard-won experience. Yes. Chiron connects us to our sense of our sorrows, our sense of our Mm. own inadequacies. Mm. And it's actually the moving through that that allows us to touch into a deeper level of 
healing for ourselves, the offering for others, and that shared sense of humanity. Mm. Like, I yes. have been through that. I know that. Therefore, I can be and stand with you. So Chiron danced into Aries last year uh, for a few months, then danced back into Pisces. And on February 18th, it firmly sets itself into Aries. It'll hang out there or charge through there, we should say. It is Aries <laughs> right, after all. That's right. Through 2027. So a couple, wow. right? Yes. So this is a long stay. Right. You know, so what we may find collectively is that our collective wounds coming through the sense of where is it that we fight? How do we marshal our will? Because that's very Aries, Which right? Is, exactly, because it's very... The warrior. Exactly. So our warrior wounds, where we <laughs> fight or fight non-consciously, where we don't fight, but perhaps should. Yes. And, you know, and it's so different than, you know, Chiron and Pisces for the last, what, seven years, right? And, you know, when I think about Aries, I, I do think about the, the warrior. And I also think about, and you've talked about this before with Aries energy, Stephanie, about guns and violence, right? And this is such a rampant uh, epidemic, I'm going to say, you know, in the world today, especially in our country. And I wonder if this is going to somehow change the consciousness about violence? You know, how do we fight? You know, how do we deal with weapons? I mean, what does that mean both individually and then also collectively? Yeah, for sure. You know, and I think coming on the heels of, I think it's really interesting how this is all playing out that Chiron is moving into Aries just as the planet Uranus, yes, weeks later, is moving out of Aries. So it's almost this shakeup, this disruption, all these Aryan realms of the sense of me, the individual, mm -hmm. the individual that fights and asserts, and all of this sort of disruption, shakeup, changing of the narrative. Now, did, will that allow for the shaking loose where we can see where it is that our great wounds and sorrows are that we can then possibly heal those realms. Right. And I think that, as you pointed out uh, with Chiron, is, you know, it is those wounds, but ultimately, in the highest sense, it's the journey towards healing. And when I think about Chiron, I think about sometimes we've got to lance the wound. We've got to, like, open that wound to be able to really heal it on the deepest of levels. Absolutely. And really go into it. Yes. Go right? into so the wound. So we can wound. go into yes. that collectively. And then because Chiron takes about 50 years to make one journey around the Zodiac, there is something called the Chiron return. So at about 49 to 51 years old, Chiron will return to its place where it was in your chart. Mm. So therefore, between 49 and 51, you may find yourself personally moving through these questions about, mm -hmm. you know, he healing oneself. What is my healing gift? Mm -hmm. You know, what are the stories, the narratives that I've told myself, the false narratives that maybe have kept me down? You know, how do I own and go into with these feelings of inadequacy and actually find that, in fact, I am more than adequate. So therefore, with Chiron moving into Aries, those people who have Chiron in Aries, pretty much everyone from born in 1969 to 1976, a few people born in a few months in 68 and a few months in 77, but you are now moving into this period of your Chiron return. 
Wow. Wow. So you've, there's a big heads up there. You know what I mean? A, a big Chiron's right. heads up. And no pun intended with Aries ruling the head. Oh, <laughs> of course. Of course. Right. Oh, my goodness. So we've got, so this is so interesting. So Chiron is moving into Aries. And as you mentioned, Uranus is moving out of Aries. So it's kind of like the Aries torch is being passed, right? And at the same time that uh, that Uranus is moving out of Aries, it also has a conjunction with Aries ruling planet Mars. I know. I'd it's, be right? Right. Like these <laughs> themes are so interesting. Because yes. you could look at like other times in history, like in that period of the 60s and early 70s where Chiron was in Aries, but it wasn't being, there was no juxtaposition with these this alignment, right? right? So this is really interesting, this passing of the baton of, you know, disruption, moving the puzzle pieces for ideally so that we can see where this healing can catalyze. And it's almost like we get this level of, on some level, it feels like a kickoff, you know, when <laughs> Mars meets with Uranus for its last time in Aries for, you know, 80 odd years. Right. But it also has me wonder whether, because Mars amplifies and activates and asserts, you know, whether we won't but see some of the, not final result, but some of all that we've been moving through since Uranus has been in Aries since 2011, right. and really see it being given birth. Like, where has it that we've been in terms of social media, the brand of me, very Aries. Me very too. Uranus, right, me too. You know, guns and, um, the, you know, the sense of the individual and the teenage spirit. Like, where all these themes that we've seen, what may it be that really captures our attention? Almost like this last blast of that with Mars meeting up with Uranus. This is on February 12th um, in the sign of Aries. Again, right before part of the baton is passed off to Chiron. Right. And, you know, I think that um, not to put any negative energy on this at all, but mm -hmm. when I think about Mars and Uranus, you know, I remember when I was first learning astrology, I think the definition that I remember of that conjunction was earthquake, <laughs> you, you know, because yeah. Mars has such, it has a very, a little bit of a violent energy. It's Absolutely. warrior, it's fight. And then Uranus, which is oftentimes called the earthquake planet because its vibration of what it touches just shakes everything loose. So when you bring those two energies together, I mean, there's definitely, whether externally, internally, personally, collectively, there's going to be some kind of upheaval in some way. And what Absolutely. you're saying is, you know, maybe this is like an accumulate or accumulation of the last seven years in some way. So it's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out. And I would even say to our listeners out there, this maybe is a time. And remember, we feel the energies of aspects uh, at least a few days and a few days after to really be mindful about being grounded, not being reactionary, you know, not giving into any of your maybe angry or violent tendencies because maybe things are feeling out of control or you're in this very Uranian energy of change. Perfect. Really perfect. Completely agree with you, right? Because oftentimes we're looking at what is sort of the higher level and the potentiality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And sometimes I feel like am I 
um, looking too much for, you know, two of the silver linings, but because really what could be, right, the sense of earthquake or explosion. Mm. But with, you know, Uranus comes without, it's not a memo. You don't get a memo that says, <laughs> and on this moment there'll be an earthquake or an explosion, right? It occurs by shock and surprise. Yes. And so I wonder then how can we, especially so that we're not then left with the, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Will something happen? How can all of us personally use the notion of explosion, of surprise, of earthquake within our lives. Where is it that in my life that I want to shake up? Ooh. What do I want to... You mean consciously shaking it up? Consciously shaking it up. Mm. Where is it that I want to marshal my will to have, to explode something that has calcified? You know, how can, again, we maybe invite in this... Uranus and Mars energy, this earthquake, explosive, blasting energy within our lives. I love that, Stephanie. I think that is really, really a wonderful um, intention Mm -hmm. for this time. And I also feel like, you know, everything you're saying is breakthrough break through. And so, you know, maybe that is the silver lining in all of this is that that tremendous opportunity, although explosive, (laughs) although maybe a little out of your comfort zone. Right. Break on through to the other side. That's right, baby. Break on through. So (laughs) you were much more courageous. That's very Aries. Yes. Than I was. (laughs) If I had a good singing voice, I would be singing that break on through to the other side. We should have had that as like our soundtrack. That's right. We should have a soundtrack, a so divine soundtrack. So, okay, we've talked about this very volatile Mars Uranus energy. Let's shift gears a little bit. (laughs) Let's shift on to the other side and let's talk about Venus, right? Because there's a whole lot of Venus energy happening, especially around mid-month, around the week of the 17th. So talk to us a little bit about all this Venetian stuff. Well, so, right, Venus being the planet of love. And I also really think about Venus being the planet of what is rich and what has value? Because oftentimes we'll think about Venus as love and relationship (laughs) and beauty and art and pleasure and also money, right? Venus is associated with money. But to me, part of the the root of that is that sense of what has value? Mm -hmm. What has richness? And so to sort of orient from that place, but it's not just the external richness and external value. You know, where will I spend my money? Because this money has value and that thing has value, but my own sense of value, Mm -hmm. my own sense of richness. Mm -hmm. So Venus dances with three planets, and we're not going to get too technical, but we'll we'll just say Venus has a meetup with Neptune, the planet of poetry and inspiration, with Saturn, the planet of let's follow the rules and architect (laughs) a blue plan and really put things into shape and form. And Pluto, which is about transformation, about surrendering that which is outworn so there can be renewal, Mm. right? So, you know, I don't know, is this about like it really considering in terms of my relationships and which ones really serve me, which ones do not? How do I need to maybe release some of my old stories of relationship dynamics so that new can grow in that space that has now been allowed. 
So Venus is going to be a busy little planet there during this time. And of course, Venus, if we didn't mention it before, is in the sign of Capricorn. And that's just interesting in itself because, you know, I think that in Capricorn, it is just innately bringing in, here we talk about being busy, you know, Capricorn's all about doing the work and putting that structure in place, you know. So I think it does offer that opportunity to kind of structure a little bit more about what we're feeling. Yeah, absolutely, right? And also Capricorn being sort of the no-nonsense sign, (laughs) right? And Venus, like the love of, the valuing of the no-nonsense, like what needs to happen, what is really important, what is primary, what is foundational. What is valuable. What is valuable. So again, during this week, to really think about that for yourself in terms of which relationships reflect richness to you. Yes. You know, in terms of how you're making money, looking at your money, allocating money for, you know, bringing things into your life, which things really do have value and which are ancillary. Yes. You know, and how do you build up that greater sense of richness in yourself through your ability to know that you're accountable, you're responsible, and you're able to make things happen? Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Very Venus. <laughs> All right, so we had no discussion of the uh, astrology for the month would be com- <laughs> complete without us talking just a little bit about the new moon in Aquarius and the full moon in Virgo. Let's start with that new moon in Aquarius. Any thoughts, Stephanie? Yeah, so the new moon in Aquarius is on February 4th. And if it may sort of r- ring a bell to you, <laughs> we were first talking about the year of the pig, the yes. Chinese New Year on February 5th, because every year the Chinese New Year does accord right around the Aquarius moon. So just there's that connection. So we begin again, Mm -hmm. right? Like we do every (laughs) month with the new moon. This is an Aquarius. Aquarius being very humanistic. Yes. right. Very much about the collective and society. Aquarius, you know, is a bit detached. It likes to sort of step back so I can see, as I just did, and hopefully I didn't lose my microphone, um, or my volume of my speaking, so that we can see the whole picture and how things operate, the channels of connectivity. Neptune is intellectual. Excuse me, Neptune. That was not Neptune. Aquarius, sorry, is intellectual. And it's also very futuristic. Yes. It's very one step or two steps ahead of the game. Right, and, and Aquarius it, rules technology, doesn't it? And it rules technology, Yes, exactly. of course. Yes, and I think that, you know, that futuristic vibe, you know, Aquarius is also quite the visionary, mm-hmm. you know, and with mm-hmm. that new moon energy, you know, maybe it's just opening up to, you know, what is your vision for the future, which may be just the next month or the next few weeks, but really allowing yourself to kind of imagine what's possible. Yeah. And I think it's really nice, too, like that Aquarius, the ability to like pull back, Mm. especially with this Aries energy, that Mars and Uranus, you know, this ability to actually see the bigger picture of things. Yes. It also feels like the year of the pig and the Jupiter and and Sag. But like, again, how do we have healthy detachment Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that we can see things in a larger scope? Yeah. Big picture. Big picture. Big picture. So then we have, of course, the full moon in Virgo, and that happens on February 19th. 
And the full moon in Virgo, Virgo quartz is an earth sign, right? And But it's ruled by Mercury. So it's this very kind of intellectual earth sign. So talk to us a little bit about the full moon in Virgo. Yeah, so this is on February 19th, as you said, a day after the sun moves into Pisces. So right, when we have a Virgo yes. full moon, it's because we're in Pisces season. So we have across this axis of Virgo, which is very much about the details and compartmental and, you know, all of the real sense of how to craft things, mm. right? And this, the beauty of the separate because it allows you to discern. But we have that held with the sun in Pisces. Right. And Pisces is not about <laughs> sort of discerning or separating. It's about everything exists together and connected you know, both, so it's actually really trying to balance the separate with the unitive mm. and seeing how they actually can be in accord, in alliance with each other. And also, Virgo and Pisces are two of the signs really connected to healing. Yes. Right? Virgo, from that perspective, especially like a body oriented perspective, um, mind, body, spirit, and what that connectivity is. You know, and Pisces from a real soulful, mm. emotional perspective. So I always love when there's this full moon or sort of the sister full moon, you know, when the sun is in um, Virgo and the moon is in Pisces, really using that for meditating and prayer, praying and invoking in your commitment to healing for yourself. And ideally for others. That's right. I love that, Stephanie. Thank you for bringing that context in. And, you know, of course, Virgo is very service oriented. You know, Virgo, just like I always say, you always want Virgo on your team somewhere because they're just so, they're so good about, you know, making sure everybody's taken care of. They're a little bit of a caretaker and service and, you know, just really wanting things to move forward, you know, for the greater good of everybody. Yeah. And I do think that one of the, healing focuses of this time is also to look at where is it that I am being of service and where is it that I may also find myself giving away, giving over too much, where maybe I'm more of a martyr. Oh, that's that Virgo Pisces martyrdom. Yes. Exactly. So really a beautiful opportunity Mm -hmm. to do some inner reflective work for yourself in terms of that realm. Service versus abdicating oneself. Or it's even really abdicating oneself for the greater good or abdicating oneself, but then letting oneself just slip away. Ooh. Ooh. I love that. Thank you. That's awesome. Sometimes we even impress each other. I have to say that. It's really yummy. You impress me a lot. Oh, you too, sweetie. Oh, my goodness. All right. So are you ready (laughs) for the tarot card of the month? I am. (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, normally uh, uh, we usually have a tarot card that's from the major arcana of the tarot. And I thought we'd mix it up a little bit this month and choose. I chose a card from the minor arcana. And the minor arcana of the tarot is the, the suited cards. There's four suits. There's water, earth, air, and fire, just like in astrology. And so the card that I chose for February is the Nine of Cups. And in the Tarot, 
cups represent water. And again, very much like astrology, water in the trough represents feelings, emotions, love. It's soulful. It's intuitive. And the nine of cups is actually ruled by Jupiter in Pisces. And it's interesting for those of you that don't know, each card of the trough does have an astrological ruler. So when I was thinking about this month, I was thinking about, wouldn't it be nice to have something that has that Piscean energy we've been talking about, but also that Jupiter energy? So the Nine of Cups is defined as abundance. And in this case, it's emotional abundance uh, where you, and spiritual abundance. And in fact, in most decks, you'll see the picture, the image of a guy, and he's sitting there and he's got nine cups behind him and they're all full. And he's sitting there and he's, he's looking at you like, you know what? I'm good. All of my cups are full. And so the, the challenge with the Nine of Cups is that if there was a challenge is, how do you enjoy that? I think a lot of times we all get caught up in what's wrong, what's not happening, all the chaos that's happening out in the world. And the Nine of Cups is a reminder to take a step back and really look at your cups being full, right? And to really celebrate that and to really take that in. And, you know, if you can just do that in the moment of just like, this is a moment where I feel like things are very full. I feel very abundant. I feel very rich. Again, this is more emotionally and spiritually, although it can certainly mean financially as well. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And that feels like a really nice place to go. Mm -hmm. Always, of course, but really this month. Yeah. In thinking also what else we may be moving through, right? To come back to sit in the joy mm -hmm. of our feelings. Yeah, and to realize no matter what is going on there, uh, out there or in there in your life, there's always a place of abundance to be found. You know what I mean? And so this card is just, again, it's just that opportunity to take that step back and just experience that. Mm, so nice. And again, tying back into the year of the pig, right? That sense right, of, of course. abundance, but a whole other level on some in a way, about abundance, that abundance of that felt sense. Right, and feelings. I think if we can create our life from that place, I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's really amazing. I think it can change everything. Nice. And so maybe if I could put those together a little bit with what we were talking about with Aries and Uranus is almost where can you surprise yourself, <laughs> shock yourself, right, by creating more of a sense of abundance yes. for yourself this month. I love that. I love that. Well, another uh, episode of So Divine has come to an end. And uh, I just want to let you all know that you can reach me at meganskinner.com, like Stephanie, who's at? stephaniegaling.com. <laughs> and you're also on Instagram at? Stephanie underscore Galling, plus my new Instagram that's all focused on sleep oh, and right. dreams. Yes. Which is inspiring underscore sleep. Yes, wonderful. And I'm on Instagram at Megan Sees. And we both post a lot, you know, throughout uh, the month. So be sure and check us out. And if you'd like to contact us directly, we'd love to hear from you. So Stephanie, because I always forget, <laughs> remind us of our email address. <laughs> it's so divineventures at gmail.com. Yes. And you can find us on iTunes. And please subscribe. If you feel like it, write a review. We'd like to thank our producers, Nick 
Vitri and Sebastiano Tecchio, as well as this beautiful place we call our podcast studio home, which is the overcast room at Cloud Studios in Capitol Hill, Seattle. So have a wonderful February, and we'll see you again very soon. Happy February. Happy February.